This is the Answers from Leadership podcast, and I'm your host, Joseph Lalonde. Each episode, we bring you answers from the best and brightest in leadership. So sit back and get ready. Here comes Answers from Leadership. Today, I've got Chester Goad with me. I met him at Catalyst Atlanta this past year. He's been a teacher, a principal, a congressional staffer, a dean, and a whole lot more. Top of that, he's a leader. Chester, can you tell us a little bit more about yourself? Sure. Yeah. Um, speaking of, you know, you and I, we, we, um, I think we had connected also on social media before Catalyst, maybe Facebook through maybe a mutual friend or something, because I recognized you when we met at Catalyst at the meetup, at the blogger meetup. I knew who you were immediately when I saw you. So, you know, you, you kind of have a little bit of fame going on, I think. But no, I, yeah, we met at Catalyst Atlanta. It was awesome. Oh my gosh. Brene Brown and Christine Kane and Guy Kawasaki. I mean, you just can't get better than any of that. You know I mean? I mean, I loved that event and I hope someday to, my goal is to, I guess our, our goal probably is to someday speak at one of those catalyst events or, or the global leadership summit or something like that. So, but, um, uh, a little bit about me. Let's see. Um, I grew up in Appalachia, which, um, pretty proud of and uh, I'm a dad I'm a husband I'm a believer um, heavily involved in advocacy and service um, especially as it relates to disability related topics I know that's not our topic today maybe someday we can have a conversation about that because I believe that entrepreneurs and leaders and uh, writers and business or even the faith-based community are really missing out on a lot of connections and even business success because their products, their writing, their websites, their webinars, all those things are may not be accessible to people with a variety of disabilities. And research shows that 15% of the population has some sort of disability. So anyway, all that to say, I, I serve on a nonprofit, an international nonprofit board for the Association on Higher Ed and Disability. And um on the journal review board for the post journal of post-secondary education disability heavily involved in disability advocacy and i could go on and on about that it's a topic that i hope to shed light on through my leadership platform but back to leadership my day job is university work and even though i'm finished with school i am a student i consider myself a lifelong learner and my side hustles though are focused on helping people in three areas, I say, leadership, learning, and life. And uh, that can sometimes seem broad to people, but once we have a chance to connect and talk, they kind of understand where I'm coming from. Also, I'm really interested in public policy issues and things like that. I helped co-author um, dyslexia legislation here in Tennessee. Uh, so I've got a lot of you know stuff going on, but you know, suffice it to say, leadership, learning, and life is sort of what is my area that I'm interested in. So pretty interesting about the disability advocacy that you're involved in. You said you helped um, write a bill um, mm-hmm. um, for legislation on that topic. Yeah. How, how'd that go? Um, it was great. It passed. It is now law in Tennessee. It passed in 2014, um, signed by the governor. And so I've been, I've been fortunate to be able to help follow up with some of that you know, and be involved in some of the implementation, not only in K-12 schools, but with the State Department of Education and even in higher ed. So is that how you got involved with leadership or start to consider yourself a leader? Oh, man, I have um, always been a leader. I've always been interested in leadership topics of all kinds. I mean, from elementary school, I was involved in 4-H leadership, a student council, key club in high school, which is a service organization. Um, and that followed me into my college life. I was involved in student government, was a student government president, and then 
faith-based organizations as well and had to have a job while I was in college. So I also worked as a uh, youth pastor for a traditional church and then also a student life director for a more contemporary seeker-oriented church. So leadership for me is it's really not something that – well, let's just put it this way. For, for many people, leadership is kind of this out there notion uh, a lot of people think it's kind of fluid and things like that. But for me, it's just kind of a part of who I am, really, I think. And it's followed me into my vocation. I think you mentioned, you know, I've been a teacher and a principal and worked for the U.S. Congress for a while. But, you know, even my degrees, I, I got my master's degree in instructional leadership and my doctorate in educational leadership. But all that to say, I strongly believe you don't have to have um, a degree to lead as much as I am an education advocate, I don't, I don't think you have to have a degree to do that. If you want to be a leader, you simply need to find a way to lead, um, and that makes you a leader. So, okay. I'm totally with you there on the you don't have to have a degree. You don't have to no. go through any kind of special training. You know, no. if, you're, if you're somebody who takes action and gets things done and gets people to go along with you, you're then a leader. I, I agree completely. You know, and, and with that, you know, especially with those that don't have degrees or you know, even those that do, there's some struggles that come along with leadership. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Have you been there? I, I have. Um, you know, I mentioned the whole politics and government thing. One of my areas of interest that I study and research just out of my own interest um, is bias and perception and perspective and personal opinions and how that affects our leadership. Um, as leaders, we sometimes, because of the nature of a leader, sometimes we sometimes hold our own strong opinions about things. We're strong people, and then if we're a smart leader, we're going to surround ourselves with people who um, also have strong opinions about at least their area, you know, of interest. But um, we have these perceived, preconceived ideas and thoughts based on our own backgrounds and experiences, and even our, that comes from our raising. And the struggle for me at one time was getting past all of that so that I could lead and learning to trust the people around me um, and that it's okay to be different. And we all bring different things to the table, um, different ideas and thoughts, and that that's actually a good thing or really that it, it could be more than a good thing. It actually bring value to whatever your mission is or whatever you're trying to accomplish. But that really was a struggle for me because I, I came from that, you know, that background um, uh, where you know politics intermingled with policy and all these different things, you know, people have strong opinions about these things, and we develop these biases. So, what do you do to get past those biases? <sighs> well, it took you know, first of all, you know, I'm sure I had many conversations with people, but it took for me. Well, let's say you know when you and I went to Catalyst, we packed a suitcase or packed bags, and we took our shoes and our jeans, you know, our most comfortable sweaters or shirts or whatever. We pack all those things, but and we took that with us. We don't realize that we're also taking with us our backgrounds and our experiences and our opinions and our biases everywhere with us that we go. We take those wherever we go. And so we can either view those good or bad experiences and perspectives as baggage or we can view it as a part of our toolbox and use it in a positive way help us understand people if we choose to use it as a part of our toolbox then we are more aware not only of ourselves but we understand the people around us better um, and we understand what they bring to the table and that perspective can actually help us grow and um, 
biases and different backgrounds and things like that actually can help shape our team, even though sometimes we might resist that idea that people disagree with us or have biases or something. But um, ultimately, we're going to have more successes if we're willing to learn about other people and accept people. So savvy leaders are going to understand that and want to grow up. So. All right. What are you doing today that's helping you become a better leader? Oh, my. Um, well, can I also just back up for just a second? Do you mind? No. Because I want to add a piece in there because I feel like if we want to understand leadership and how leadership and faith connect, I just think this is important because Jesus, he wanted to meet people where they were. And that's what he did. And he just simply accepted people. As they were, um, and we can read over and over in the New Testament how he did that, and he accepted people with their baggage, and with their flaws, and with their no- uh, ideas and notions, and he knew what people, he knew what made people tick, and why they made the choices that they made. And of course, we may not have all of that insight, but Jesus knew how everybody's purpose was going to manifest someday um, in the world that was around them. And so, if we want, if we want to um, seek. If we want to seek God's will for ourselves, I think we have to meet people where they are. And I think that goes into the workplace with us, uh, realizing that we're not perfect, that people are not perfect. I think that's the first step in, in growing. So I just want to throw that out there. That there's, a, there's a faith connect to that as well that's been modeled for us as well. So sorry to take that back. I just felt like I needed to point that out. But no, Not a problem. Not a- <laughs> I talk a lot, Joe. <laughs> hey, go for it. Yeah, that's what this whole interview is about, right? You. <laughs> All right, man. Well, um, you asked me, what was it? What steps was I taking? Yes, to become a better leader today. Okay, uh, that's a really good question. Um, it's one I've learned a lot about over the last few years. I, I've i learned it's one thing to be a leader, but if we're going to keep leading, uh, we have to grow. Uh, whether that's personally or spiritually and even in our own leadership philosophies. And so um, as an entrepreneur or a writer or whatever, you have to take action. And you're really none of those things until you've actually done those things. You know, we can say we're something all day long, but until we're actually doing it, it doesn't make it so. And so we're really none of those things until we've done those things. And so we hear it over and over and over. I, mean, you, I know you belong to masterminds and things like that, too where the big mantra is take action, take action, take action. And so over the years, I've joined leadership groups, mastermind groups. Um, I'm now a member of Platform University and Michael Hyatt's group as well. I take online courses, webinars, every chance I get. And, um, you know, I've really just tried to become more active in the areas that I'm interested in. And, you know, that means also going to conferences and things and meeting awesome people like you, um, you know, um, you know, iron sharpens iron, right? You have to surround yourself with people who make you better. So, you know, so you, you just mentioned iron sharpens iron. Yeah. You know, do you, do you see that by surrounding yourself only with people that agree with you, or with people that disagree, or is a mixture of both? No, I think I think you know um, we need to be surrounding ourselves with both. I think that's really the only way we can grow and um, and understand people. You know, I I'm not one of these people who believes we need to separate ourselves in such a way that we are not a part of the people around us. You know, I mean, Jesus went everywhere, you know, and, and I feel like, you know, he, he's our ultimate mentor when it comes to this, you know, this leadership stuff. And so I I think we need to kind of 
follow that and we need to, you know, just kind of go everywhere, surround ourselves with a variety of people. I mean, look at even the disciples. They were such an interesting group of people, you know. So. Fishermen, tax collectors, <laughs> a persecutor <laughs> exactly. of Christians. Yeah, you know. So, yeah, you know, yeah, I agree with yeah. you. We need to, you know, sometimes clash heads. You know, I think, <laughs> yeah. you know, how does iron sharpen iron, right? Yeah. You know, there's that, you know, it you know, rubs against each other. Yep, exactly. Yeah. How can we undermine our ability to lead? Mm, that's a personal interest of mine. Um, I've written several articles on this particular topic. You know, um, it's a great question. There are lots of ways that we can do that. I think um, some of the things that come to mind right off one is uh, as a leader, sowing mistrust. And that can kind of manifest in different ways. I think it can manifest um, in favoritism. I think it can manifest in micromanagement. Uh, Micromanagement is a scourge on leadership, I think. (laughs) Also, I think inauthentic leadership, people who are not genuine. I think that is a huge contributor to causing mistrust. So sowing mistrust, I think modeling inconsistency. Do you say? Do you do what you say you're going to do? Do you hold yourself to the same standards that you're expecting uh, of other people? And also, I think a leader who is not present and available uh, is not really a leader at all. So, uh, and I would add also um, unconcise communication or lack of communication or being wishy-washy. So I would say that my top three ways that we can undermine our own ability to lead are probably sowing mistrust, modeling inconsistency, and weak communication. I think all of those can under work to undermine us. Well, I know you. You know you probably don't have have any of those inconsistencies. <laughs> we all well, struggle. Yeah, but but you know, I think a lot of us do struggle in some of those areas that undermine our ability to lead well. What's one or two tips that you can give that would help somebody struggling in those areas? I think you have to surround yourself with people who kind of have to have a team, a couple of really close people that can help hold you accountable. And that you can trust to tell you the truth. And I think that it's smart to have somebody on your team or at least within your organization who can kind of see how you interact and your productivity and things like that. But I also think even without outside your organization, I think you need to have those go to people who can help, you know, guide you a little bit and and honestly just tell you the truth straight up. So great advice. I'm not sure how old you are. I am 43. 43. All right. <laughs> Trying to focus this podcast around young leaders, you know, yeah. new leaders. So what do you wish you would have known about leadership when you were 30? Oh, my gosh. You know, we think we know so much at 30. Um, I, I thought I did, but I wish, I wish I understood at that time that it's okay to stand out and be different and offer something different, and that different is good. That it's not only okay, but it's essential because there's so much noise out there. I mean, even in the leadership space, there's so many people. So you have to be able to offer something that is distinguishable. And so it's okay to be different. And I also wish I understood much earlier how important it is to take a step toward your goals every day. And that every day requires action. goes back to what we said about taking action. And every day you don't take action, understanding that that's another day that will keep you from your goals or your dreams or whatever it is you're wanting to accomplish, fulfilling your purpose. So I would say being intentional. I wish that I had learned early on it's okay to be different and it's okay to be intentional about finding your purpose. Great advice. I think that'll help somebody today. Hope so. 
You know, and I think readers are leaders. Do you agree with that? Oh yeah, absolutely. You know, I like to ask this question of, of podcast guests. Can you recommend one or two books that can help a leader grow in their ability to lead? I can. The first thing I would say is that, you know, something that I have found, you know, of course, I think you need to do this with whatever your niche is, your area of interest is, but I read a lot of biographies and autobiographies of people, um, not necessarily, quote, famous people. I mean, I guess a lot of them are, but notable people. Uh, for me, that's people in the um, public policy arena or people, presidents. I, I read a lot about the presidents. I love reading about presidents because once you understand where how people got to where they were and the decisions that they made and how they made the decisions and how they learned over time, I think that is very valuable for whatever your your area or your niche is. You know, so I will just say that you know reading autobiographies or biographies is really good. But if I'm going to point out a couple of books. You know, the Catalyst Conference, I picked up H3 Leadership, Brad Lomanak. Oh, my goodness. That's a really good book, Brad, Brad Lomanak's Be, um, it's Be Humble, Stay Hungry, Always Hustle. Really like that. And the humble part um, really speaks to me. Um, I think this is going to sound weird, but I think we have a perceived drought of humility within the entrepreneurial leadership space, the influencer space. I think a lot of people are uncomfortable sometimes with it seems to be a lot of self-promotion and and things like that you know and i know that you know guys like you and others or myself you know we can be uncomfortable with that the idea that you know we have to get our name out there and getting our name out there means talking about ourselves and you know standing out and finding ways to stand out and so you know it goes against what we want to do you know as believers and things like that as influencers we don't want to necessarily be screaming our platform and things like that. But um, because it seems, I think it can seem presumptuous or assuming or even narcissistic at times. So uh, there are people who struggle with that. I have struggled with that idea of having to self-promote and things like that. But, you know, so that's the part of that particular book or the idea of humility. Um, anyway, makes me think about that. So uh, so there's that book, Brad Lomanek's book, um, and especially the section on being humble. And then... Uh, oh, I would say mutual friend. I think we're mutual friends. Um, Paul Son. Yep. He has a he has a brand new book coming out. Are you on his launch team? I am. Oh my gosh! Have you? I don't know if you've had a chance to read that book yet. That is an amazing book, and um, I, I've had a chance to to review it. And I, I finished it just this last week, and I messaged him. And I said, you know, that book really has given me chills. It was so so good. I know he geared it toward millennials and twenty somethings. But wow, um, it's very powerful. And, you know, I'm over 40, so it's definitely got relevant peace to people from a lot of different walks. And it's called Quarter Life Calling, Finding Your Sweet Spot in Your 20s. Um, I highly recommend that when it comes out. It'll be out on January the 18th, I'm pretty sure. And then um, Bob, Bob Goff's book, Love Does, is really good. So Fantastic book there. Yeah. I've read it. Yeah. I got to meet Bob a couple weeks ago. Oh, you did? Yeah. Oh, my gosh, I would love to meet him. Yeah, he um, did a... A dinner for the Young Life Group in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Really? So, so oh wow! Shared That's his amazing. story, got to meet him, shake his hand, tell him thank you for everything that he's done, and you know the great work. You know the book blew me away. See, that's so cool because um, I, um, I mentioned Platform University and he did one of the master classes with Michael Hyatt, and uh, so cool because he talks about his availability and he really lives that availability, you know, and he sets the standard for all of us 
on being available. You know, he takes it to the nth, to the ten x, you know, whatever uh, for that because he's just he really is amazing. But it's true. I mean, everything he says about being available is true. You make yourself available. That's what's going to connect you with people. And I, you know, I'll tell you, I had a, a basketball coach find me on Twitter, sent me a message on Twitter or something, and said would you consider coming to my high school, you know, and talking, you know, whatever. I immediately, I just happened to be awake. I was on my phone and I was looking at messages and things like that and immediately responded and said, sure, you know, I'd be happy to do that. And um, the response from him, he was like, I had no idea. I was like, is this guy for real? He's really going to come. He just kind of threw it out there. And I think we have to take advantage of those opportunities of being available. And I went and I met those high schoolers and they were fantastic. And I stay in contact with many of them and their moms and things like that online on social media. And so it's, it's really cool. And Bob Goff has really set the standard for that. Right. I, I love how he's done that by actually including his phone number in the back of his book. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And did, did he tell any of the stories of, you know, people just calling randomly and, you know, just out of the blue? No, he actually didn't share any of those stories. But uh-huh. I actually called Bob one day. <laughs> did you? I did. Oh, my gosh. You know, we're Facebook friends and... Uh-huh. I seen it was his birthday, and I was like, "How cool would it be to call Bob Goff and wish him a happy birthday?" Yeah. Well, that day he didn't answer because like, it was his birthday. Uh huh. But he called me back. No way! Day. Really? I think I think that did something something more for me than if he would have actually picked up the phone. You know, yeah. Because it's easy to pick up the phone. It's much right, harder yeah. to say, "Hey, this guy I don't know called me. Now I've got to call him back." exactly and see the thing is that seems to be it seems to be very much who he is as an individual just um i think he lives his his purpose and his platform he has such a great story and um you know so you know wow that's really cool that that you got that phone call from him and your friends on facebook with him because he's really he's really a cool guy um so yeah those books the brad lomanek book um h3 leadership um paul son's book Paul Sons book coming out, A Quarter Life Calling, and then um, Bob Goff, um, Love Does. Great suggestions. Do you have anything else you'd like to share with up-and-coming leaders? I would say, um, I, I would encourage listeners, anybody who is interested in being a leader, not to underestimate the value and power of authenticity. And that includes just being you with all your flaws and your differences and your mistakes and your stumbles. And, um, don't underestimate the value and hope that faith also offers. Um, and I think that you can still be a person of faith, even with your flaws and your mistakes, because we learn from those. And I think God knows who you are and he loves you. And so just be who you are and other people will love you too. And your platform grows when you connect uh, with people and you're genuine. Um, people appreciate that. And I would also say view your, view your purpose as a calling uh, to serve the people around you. Find a way to serve. Um, and, uh, you know, whatever that is in your, in your area of interest, your niche or your platform or whatever we're calling it these days, you know, I I think it's very, very important to find out whether it's, uh, to serve, whether it's in a school, a church or organization, a nonprofit, whatever you can do in your community, that your neighbors next door, find a way to serve. Awesome advice, Chester. Thank you for being on the show. Yeah. And, um, your listeners can also are welcome to connect with me on any social media, Instagram, Twitter, whatever. So where would they connect to you? Twitter handle. Yeah. Um, um, Twitter. Um, Twitter is just Seagode09. Um, they can find me on LinkedIn with my name. Instagram is um, Seagode3891. There's a reason for that. Um, 
on Facebook. Um, and then also I've got web pages, chestergo.com, and then my book, purplepeopleleader.com as well. So, All right. I'll make sure to link up to those in the show notes. Yeah. Hey, thank you so much for having me. I appreciate the, the opportunity. Yeah, my pleasure, Chester. Thank you. Chester sure dropped some great leadership insights during this interview. Let's take a moment to recap a few of those leadership lessons. Um, One of the things he mentioned was that we all struggle with biases as we lead. Um, But he also shared that we can learn to twist those biases and use them for good. He also shared that leaders need to keep growing to keep leading. He encouraged us to find a way to stretch ourselves every day. And it's okay to stand out. There's nothing wrong with being different. In fact, it can be your greatest asset. As always, you can find the show notes for today's episode at jmlalone.com slash 004. I'd love it if you would go there and leave a comment about today's show. Let me know how Chester's story impacted you and your leadership. And last but not least, if you enjoyed today's show, would you please do me a huge favor and leave a review and rating in iTunes? This will help boost the visibility of the show and help other leaders to discover it.